the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 28 of our Road to 2021 mini-series. And as always, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's episode, we just want to remind you as always that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to tell your family and friends about them, take a screenshot, post it to your social media stories, And if you are listening on the iTunes podcast app, you can always please feel free to give us a rating and write a review as well. And if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, which you can find in any of the show notes below or our Instagram bios. And we don't just coach comp prep competitors. We do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Now, Jack, episode 28, how was your week? Cool. So this week capped off not only the third week of prep, but also the sixth week of my training block. So that's the final week that I'll be doing. And so this coming week, I'll be deloading and I'll get into more depth about that because it will be different to how I've deloaded before now that I'm in comp prep. But overall, it was a great week. And I, I kind of predicted this third week would be a fairly stagnant stagnant week in terms of my weight loss because uh, from the data that I've collected during my mini cut, like I, I lost drastically and then I plateaued. And then in the mini cut, that's when I just got a bit impatient and dropped it because it's a mini cut. I could afford to do that, drop energy, I should say. Uh, however, in prep, I've stayed the same macros. This week has been almost the same, exactly the same weigh-ins in each day. I had did get a new low though, which was nice. So a slight new low of 86.5, that was this morning. And the same macros next week as well for the deload week. And one, because I don't really wanna be doing uh, an aggressive amount of weight loss in a deload, mm-hmm. because I think that'll increase my chance of strength loss. And two, I think I can still lose a little bit more this coming week, because um, I, I assume this week would be stagnant, but I think this coming week will be uh, I will be able to lose a little bit more. Yeah. So what was your body weight last week? And then what was your body weight like lowest last week, lowest this week? I think the lowest last week was 86. Yeah, it was 86.7 and it was yeah 86.5 today. So yeah. not much. And when, when I look at the average, the average was like maybe 0.01 kilos mm-hmm. less. So negligible, but I'm not worried at all. Like I'm still well on track. I've got my little plan set out in terms of how much I want to lose each week based off percentages and I'm still ahead of the game and if I've got to lose about 0.3 kilos next week to be to stay on track yeah and do you think anything could have to do with it you know this past week you know your last week or your block you were in your overreaching week as well do you think that could have contributed at all for some people yes but I I don't think it it would influence me and some people do get large, large fluid shifts depending on how stressed they are with their training. But to be honest, like my, my training stress doesn't increase drastically from week one to week six, unlike some people, it's fairly consistent. And like week six is undoubtedly harder, but it's not, I don't think it's hard enough to retain any water. Mm-hmm. And we've seen on my rest days as well that I actually, yeah, I gain weight on my rest days. I don't lose weight. Yeah. Which is interesting. Exactly. So, and what was your weight, you know, starting prep three weeks ago compared to your 86.6 now? So it was approximately 89.5. Yeah. So you're about 
almost three kilograms down in three weeks, right? Mm. So it paid off, like you said, when you engage in a diet initially, you do have those that big drop that you know kind of gives you a head start, and then you kind kind of afford to maybe have a week here or there where it does plateau a little bit. Yeah, undoubtedly. And yeah, as I said, I'm I'm not worried. I'm still feeling great hunger wise. I'm still having one high day at five seventy five carb. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everything is going smoothly, nutrition wise. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of a hiccup this week, uh, training wise, sort of. wasn't that big of a deal. Like I, I kind of dramatized it in my head when it happened. But basically, on Tuesday, I did my leg day as per usual, and I think everyone listening should have a fairly good idea that I've had back injuries in the past, especially one big one in 2018, and. Yeah, basically, leg session on Tuesday went really well. I hit my squat number, which I was actually, I said on the podcast last week, I wanted to hit 2x8 at 147.5, which I did at zero reps in reserve, probably. And yeah, went on to do that session. It went well, no pain whatsoever. I don't I don't go into sessions thinking I'm going to get pain anymore, like mm-hmm. I used to do previously, which was a bad way of thinking. But yeah, basically, went to bed, woke up in the middle of the night, and like my whole left side of my back seized up. I think it was a like a, the QL sort of region if you if anyone wants to Google that. I sort of looked at it, obje- like in the past I would have freaked out and like all that kind of stuff, but I kind of looked at it objectively and thought, okay, well, I had no pain during my session. I didn't have any discomfort whatsoever. Um, I w- even once I'd cooled down before going to bed, I didn't have any pain either. So like there was no stiffness. So I had a fairly good idea that like I hadn't injured anything. I think I probably slept on it wrong or I've, I don't know, but I didn't think it was serious. And I had sort of just modified my session on Friday to accommodate for that. So I just decreased the load for RDLs by about 10% and it's already feeling pretty much better by today, which is, which is great. So I'll deload and then everything will be normal from then on. Man, that's so wonderful, honestly, because I think that is just such a huge step for you, right? And just learning anecdotally from the past when you have felt these niggles come on, you know, and understandably, right, as an athlete, you don't like the fear of being injured. It is really scary because you love what you do and you don't want to be out of the gym, right? But what made you actually decide this time, like, no, it's probably just a niggle. Like what made you decide not to book in a session with your physio, Scott, like as soon as possible? I think in the past, I've won. Unfortunately, if you want to look at it like this, I'm experienced with back pain. So I knew that not having that, like when you're doing an RDL or a squat and you hear something click or there's a sudden onset of pain, sharp pain, and there's pain associated with movement, like that's not a good indication. Like that's my out of scope of practice opinion on it. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that was all different this time. This time it was more I woke up I got, I had some stiffness and back pain. So yeah, I just thought of it, put the emotional aspect aside and thought Mm -hmm. about it objectively. Yeah. That's wonderful. You know, I think that, and I was just there on Wednesday to be like, Jack, I think you just trained hard yesterday. I think you just overreached with your squats. Luckily today is a rest day. You know, next week is deload. We've been through this before. I think you're going to be all right. (laughs) Yeah. I think what makes me freak out a little bit more for injuries is more, if I'm inexperienced in that area, like for example, like Dr. Google is the worst thing you can do. Trust me, if, if you ever have an illness or an injury, don't go to Dr. Google. It's not good. <laughs> I sneak up behind Jack when he's like, <laughs> 
you know, holding his forearm and he's typing with the other hand. I'm like, hey, get off that thing. <laughs> the only time I'll use Google is to Google image like the anatomy of something. Yeah. So I can try and pinpoint what it might be. And yeah, that's, I think because I had more experience with my lower back, I know the that area quite well. I know what the rehab entails. I, I was fairly confident compared to something like a knee. Like I have no idea about any, I know there's like a meniscus in the knee. I know there's the kneecap and mm-hmm. some other things, <laughs> but I don't know about the, the injury side of things whatsoever. Yeah. So that, yeah, just an example. But other moving on to some more positives, like overall training has been going well. Again, it's only week three. So kind of like it would be quite sad if I was losing a lot of strength by then. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm predicting that you should certainly be able to progress on average across the board for a quite a number of more weeks. Correct? Yeah. Definitely in terms of the the majority of the lifts, there are some lifts where even heading into the diet, I was a little bit plateaued. And secondly, the sort of exercise, like the movement pattern or exercise selection, I might need to manipulate that a little bit to keep progressing. Like for example, the seated barbell OHP, I progressed that a little bit, but it has plateaued like the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'll probably keep that in because like I'm not just going to plateau in something and then switch. I'm going to wait till I actually lose some significant strength. And I might not even, I might just, uh, to be honest, if, the, if this next block I have the same number of reps each set at 90 kilos for my seated OHP, then I'm happy. Yeah, like that's it, a win, man. Like sometimes people forget that it's actually just a win to be able to maintain performance when you're in a dieting phase. Mm. Yeah, and all, all I can do is literally fuel myself adequately and train with intensity, which those are both things that I'll do regardless. Even if I go into a session feeling very average, I'm going to train intensely anyway. It's not in my nature not to do that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of pre-programmed for me and which I guess I'm fortunate, but I think it's part, it's a skill as well. And yeah, not, I don't think I'll be changing any exercises. I might change out Nordic curls, Nordic hamstring curls for lying leg curl and then do some another curl variant after that because I used to do the um, back extensions for hamstrings but because I RDL and I do staggered RDLs as well like that's kind of a a strong point in terms of my hamstring development so I'd rather emphasize the curling a bit more which we know is actually I don't know there's there's mixed evidence to suggest that the curling is actually more beneficial for hamstring development then yeah well you're taking the hamstring through a greater range of motion a greater Mm. range of that eccentric and concentric movement right and that's what i think as well whenever i'm programming for someone else or i'm programming for myself let's say it is a lower body day i generally will do more of a movement pattern similar to like a rdl whether that's barbell or that's dumbbell or something like a back extension and then also have a curling movement in there like a seated leg curl or a lying leg curl like i probably I wouldn't program for someone like a barbell RDL and then a back extension, extension, right? (laughs) Totally. And I mean, looking at analyzing my physique, I guess, if I had to pick my hamstrings apart, like I would probably benefit more from the curling aspect Mm -hmm. and not the 
hip thrust or RDLs, which isn't surprising because yeah. they're much stronger lifts for me. And interestingly, you know, Menel Henselman, if you guys don't know who Menel Henselman is, he's just this awesome researcher and he's got a really good Instagram page and he's always posting, you know, different studies. And he actually posted this study comparing muscle growth in the hamstrings when participants were either doing lying leg curl or seated leg curl. And it actually turned out that the participants who did seated leg curl, they actually experienced more hypertrophy in their hamstrings, which kind of makes sense, you know, because in a seated position, you are in a greater stretch position with your hamstrings and you actually have to go through that greater eccentric and concentric movement. And what about you, Jack? Like I find that in a seated leg curl, I always get a better mind muscle connection with my hamstrings too, especially because I'm starting in that great stretch position compared to lying leg curl. I still do both in my program, but I've always felt better with seated leg curls. Yeah, I would, I would say mine, they're pretty even for me in terms of which I get a better stimulus on. Mm-hmm. I think maybe just due to my biomechanics, I'm able to set the, the lying one up so I get a, a great stretch as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people might hit the end before before they're fully stretched. Yeah, I think both are awesome. And I think a program where you're training legs, obviously you're training lower body at least twice per mm. week, but even more than that, you should, probably should have variety and definitely have yeah. both in there. I have both, yeah. And... If anything, I get a better pump from the lying. So, mm. I mean, those sorts of studies, they'll always be... Each to their own. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're training your hamstrings in some way or another, progressively overloading, you're probably going to grow. Mm. Yep. <laughs> so, I want to hear about your deload. How is this deload going to be different to previous deloads? So, previously, I've I've been a fan of, and I still am a fan of, just do, taking it easy, doing three days of full body a week. And that's very effective for eliminating fatigue or even just doing four or five days of active rest, which I, I didn't do as much. I preferred the three, three full body days, but it's a very effective at eliminating fatigue. And what it isn't good for is like maintaining the, I guess, the neurological adaptation associated with lifting mm-hmm. and being efficient at a movement. And for, my, the, for the lifts I was good at, like it didn't matter as much. For the lifts I wasn't as technically good at, like the squat, it did matter. And I found that there was a drop off on commencing week one again. But what I'm doing this time is keeping volume the same, but I will be lowering intensity. And basically my upper body feels good. I could probably maybe even do another one week of training, but I don't really want to stagger deloads again because that was not very nice. So basically I'm going to be reducing intensity by less for upper. So by about 10% for my major lifts. For my accessories, I'll probably even keep them the same. Maybe just hit the, the bottom end of the rep range to make it a little bit easier. And I guess the second factor of that is also so it still keeps energy output fairly consistent because, I mean, doing, let's say doing the machine chest press with uh, 80 kilos instead of 90 kilos, like it's going to expend the similar amount of energy, Mm -hmm. if not the same. So the bigger changes will come for the leg days. So basically I'll be dropping like the the, um, higher intensity exercise by 20% and that'll allow me to, like for my CNS to recover a bit and also for the more niggly areas to to come up as well to feel better yeah and for those big lower body movements like your squats like your rdls you're still only doing two working sets during your normal you know weeks Mm. right so you're still keeping those at two sets and are you still just going to keep your upper body days at three sets are you going to drop those down to two uh those will stay at three sets yeah and uh i mean i might change my mind based on how I feel tomorrow, but 
Yeah. And like, interestingly enough, I actually, in preparation for this, I had a look at like my weekly sets because I, that's something that has changed a lot this year. So for quads, I'm quads and hamstrings. I'm doing about 14 sets per week each, which is, I mean, kind of in the middle of the ballpark for, for some people it's very low actually, because a lot of people do upwards of 20, but they just do lower intensity. And I counted up all my pulling movements, including things like the staggered RDLs and RDLs, and I was doing close to 30. Mm. So it goes to show that like one, my back is weaker than my quads and hamstrings by a decent amount. And, but because, but one, I can recover from it, from pulling stuff a lot easier, um, especially things like the lat pull downs and single arm rows, etc that I can afford to use that much volume in order to grow that area. Cause like that was one of the main changes in the last two or three years, which I've, I've um, made in order to get the back to grow mm-hmm. other than just getting stronger. Yeah. And that just goes to show, right? Like this stuff takes time and really getting to know yourself and how you actually respond to training, right? Mm. Like what is actually the appropriate amount of volume for you on a systemic level, but also, you know, what is the appropriate amount of volume for each muscle group? Yeah, totally. And I think if we, if I look at lower back, it, it's around 10 sets. So it's still definitely on the low end. And like even 10 sets, I regularly get, I get lower back doms after, mm-hmm. not bad, but I just get normal doms in my lower back after almost every session that involves it. So. Yeah, exactly. But like, geez Louise, imagine how many times a week your delts are being hit, right? And you're yeah. always recovering from those. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess for reference as well, for anyone looking like the general guidelines are that you do perform at least 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week in order to see growth and development in that muscle group. Right. Mm. And again, there are going to be some people that can go below that, which is again, surprising below 10 sets per week for a muscle group. That's, it's not that much training, is it? And then of course there's people who certainly can go upwards of 20 sets per Mm. muscle group per week. I think a lot of people can probably take at least one muscle group there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just a technique of undulating volume in order to, okay, I'm going to prioritize hamstrings this block and we'll raise sets up to 20 to 25. But then you can't have everything at 20 to 25. No, absolutely not. One, how the heck long would you be in the gym for? Yeah. Jeez Louise, imagine if you're doing like 25 sets for every single muscle group. Mm. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, like if something, if you want to dedicate more time to something else, right, then you have to take away a little bit of time from something else, right? Yeah. Well, that that's it from me. Like, I guess just to recap, I'll be sticking on the same macros at 400 carb. 250 protein, 60 fat, and one day at 575 carb, which I might actually remove for this deload. Mm-hmm. I'll see how I go. And I would like it if I could get like the, mm, maybe like 86.5 to 86.7 mm-hmm. average this week. That would be really nice. So really just looking to maintain your weight. Maintain my lowest weight, which is very yeah. different because the way that my week is stru- uh, structured is that I have two of my highest output days being the leg days. Um, also my lower days of eating. So I get lows after those days Mm -hmm. quite consistently, but it means that my weight comes back after my rest days and my high day. So it means that every single day of the week is a different weight. Yeah. (laughs) It's always different. That's the exact same for me, right? Like I'm always focusing on that weekly average, but I'm always comparing like a Tuesday to the previous Tuesday, right? A Saturday to the previous Saturday Mm. and so on. I'm not like, I'm not taking much thought into the lows at the moment because Mm -hmm. I know a low is mainly attributed to the reduction in 
stored carbohydrates, so mm-hmm. glycogen and water. It's not as much to do. It needs to be. You need to get a low three days in a row for it to actually mean more of something. Yeah. So yeah, but and that's it for me. Like I'll be deloading. Hopefully, the the lower back is ready to start this next block, and everything else clears up. But what about you? How have things been? Yeah. So again, another pretty cracking week. So crazy to think I've just wrapped up my sixth week of prep. Like mm. boy, oh boy, some people prep for six weeks and I've just been already <laughs> in prep for six weeks. So time flies, man. So that's pretty crazy. I have been dieting for over a month now, which is pretty nuts. But so what's the, what were your starting weight and what's your weight now? Yeah. So the great thing is, is that I stopped taking my iron supplements last week. So this past week I've just been consistently in the 65s, which is awesome. Of course, it's fluctuated a little bit by a few hundred grams during the week, but it's consistently been in the 65s because like last week I hit a new low of 65.6, but it was fluctuating throughout the week between 65.6 to 66.8, which that is just ridiculous, right? Like Mm. 1.2 kilograms. That's nuts, right? But luckily this week, you know, digestion's been a lot more on track, not having to take super high dose iron. Some people respond differently to it. You know, some people don't, don't have issues, but I've never taken a super high dose supplement so you didn't consistently seem to, before. You didn't respond poorly, but you didn't, Yeah, it well, wasn't normal. Let's hope that I did respond well and that the iron was soaked into my red blood cells, right? But at the same time, my, my guts just weren't having it. Uh, but anyway, this past week, so I did hit a new low of 65.3. So again, that's 300 grams down from my previous low last week. So that's pretty good because like I spoke about last week, my rate of loss aiming for now is between 0.3 to 0.4 kilograms per week in order to reach my estimated stage weight of around 59.5 kilograms. So still on track there, which is really good. And uh, we even took some skin folds this week, which is great. So had a big drop in skin folds from the previous two weeks. We take skin folds every fortnight and I was down by nine mils in the past two weeks, which is really good. So since the beginning of prep, I'm down by 15 mils across seven sites, but in the last two weeks alone, it's gone down by nine mils, which is really awesome. And just comparing that to previous data, what's pretty cool is that right now I am at the same sum of seven that I was at this time last year, right? But this time last year, I was 64.1 kilograms. And when we took skin folds at the very beginning of the week, my weight that day was like 65.8. So that's 1.7 kilograms heavier, but at the same sum of seven, which is pretty neat, right? And that's the thing, like I've been comparing progress photos and stuff and man, right now compared to where I was at this point last year during prep, I'm just gonna say it, I have significantly more muscle mass on me. Like it is, it is very, very obvious. Like I just am a stronger, bigger person right now, which again, that's why it's so important to document things and take skin folds and take plenty of progress photos and make comparisons. Because if I was solely relying on weight alone, I could actually freak myself out a little bit because I'd be like, Oh man, this time last year, you know, like I was 1.7 kilograms lighter and like I'm much heavier right now. So that could potentially freak me out, but I know, and I'm smart and I trust the process. And I remember that, no, I'm actually going for a look here. I'm actually focusing on what my physique looks like, not just scale weight alone. So yeah, I'm feeling really good about that to be technically have the same amount of 
body fat on me, but be 1.7 kilograms heavier. That's pretty, really, really happy with that. So that's good. But yeah, pretty much things are on track in that sense. So I'm going to keep macros the same for this next week. So I'm still running those five lower days from Saturday till Wednesday at 250 carb, 160 protein, and 40 fat. And then my two high days on Thursday, Friday, I bring that closer up to maintenance where I just bring my carbohydrates up to 350 grams. And that's still working really well. So yeah, things are just on track in terms of nutrition. I'm still, I just feel like I'm on track right now. And I even, I posted an Instagram photo yesterday for the first time in four weeks, boy oh boy. (laughs) I hadn't posted on my page for four weeks, man. But uh, yeah, so I posted a photo and I, you know, I, I wrote a caption just about my thoughts yesterday. And you know, this is the third prep I'm going through now. And every single time that I go through prep, I always just like come to appreciate and understand and I just find peace with the fact that you're not supposed to be shredded yet, right? When you're like 20 weeks out, somewhere around that mark, right? Like if you've just embarked on a chronic dieting journey, right? And you're still in the early stages of it and yeah, sure, you might've been dieting for a month, but like you can't expect to take a photo and like see muscle striations and see a bunch of veins and you shouldn't, right? Because again, you're still like 20 weeks out. You're not supposed to be stage ready yet. So kind of just making the point that as long as you have a good starting body composition, right? As long as you're following the plan and you're on track, however you look at each phase in your journey, that's exactly how you're supposed to look. So you should just embrace that. And again, I need to remind myself of that all the time. Yeah, totally. And I think we're, we're very good at skewing what the, what the picture is because like we do have that lightning focus on that stage look mm-hmm. and being shredded, all that kind of stuff. But if we actually look at our physiques right now. A lot of, if we ask the average person, they would probably think we look better right now. And also that like we're at a more sustainable body fat now where we look good, like we have definition, all that kind of stuff. You might say it's the beach body, but we're not we're not uncomfortably lean yet. So you might as well make the most of this physique now while it lasts (laughs) because it's more comfortable and you still look great. Yeah, you know, you're so right. And maybe that's actually why when you speak to the average person who might not be, you know, that educated on the actual physique that we are striving for, they don't know that much about bodybuilding and they ask you like, oh, so like you're competing in a show or something like, so how long, like when is the show? Like, you know, is next weekend or something? You're like, oh no, it's like five months away. And they're like, whoa, how is it five months away, right? Because I was speaking to someone today who doesn't know much about bodybuilding and I was asking, they were asking, I said, yeah, I'm around 86.5 this morning. And they were like, oh yeah, do you have, so you have another two kilos or so to lose? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, I have another eight to 10 kilos to lose. Yeah, man. It's a whole different extreme, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, boy. But man, I can't believe that it was, it had been four weeks since I'd last posted on my Instagram page. Like, I just feel like I go through phases, you know, like sometimes I'll post a lot and then sometimes I won't post that much. Like, I feel like sometimes, honestly, I'm guilty. I just don't take social media that seriously. Like... I follow people, but I don't really follow people. I engage with people, but I don't really engage with people. I share things about myself, but man, I don't really share much about myself. I post things, but I don't really post things. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think some people really, really have to force force themselves, like especially if they're an introvert. I think we're both semi-introverts mm-hmm. and 
we were the sort of people who find it easier to share stuff on a podcast like this because we can speak but in order to actively put stuff out every day and write posts about how you're feeling and what you're doing it is difficult Mm -hmm. because it goes against our nature but people who you walk they're the sort of people who i don't know that they're always socializing you ask them what they're doing and they're like i have six things planned on the weekend all involving friends yeah they're going to be the sort of people who find it a breeze to kind of stay relevant on social media yeah i know what you mean but even then like i still love to share things but i don't know sometimes i'm just like i feel like i'm always on my phone you know like i'm doing client calls all day right and then like i'm usually posting things on my story in the gym but then i'm just i don't know i just feel like sometimes i also want to break from my phone i really admire people to be honest who are so social media savvy you know just consistently pumping out content like you go on their stories and there's like 30 stories on there right like they've got their full day of eating every day they've got their whole workout they're talking to the camera about their dreams and all this stuff and they're posting every single day writing like you know detailed caption i'm just like man this person is on it but again like we we're talking about with exercise right like exercise volume if you're giving a lot to something something else in life mm. has to give right yeah i would think so and I don't know. I'm in the same boat as you. I I go through phases where I'm very consistent, mm-hmm. which is infrequent. <laughs> I don't even know what is considered free. What is in, what is considered consistent? Yeah, again, like for me, putting out one post a week that is a solid post. It's not some random photo on my front facing camera. Yeah. <laughs> but I that's fairly consistent for me, and I'm happy with that. I'm not like I've got other things to do than post. Because mm-hmm. like, let's be honest, like. Actually, TBD, our, our business page, TBD, like I, I'm very proud of what we've done on that. Mm. And I think we're quite consistent and yeah. I'm happy with that. The content is great. That's the thing, right? Like putting out good quality content. Like sure, on, like we're actually putting a hell of a lot more effort into our business page than our personal pages, yeah, which, you know, that's definitely paying I think off. <laughs> we should say that like when we were talking about Instagram before, it was about our personal pages, not, yeah. not business. But Because like most of our clients do come through either Google or the podcast or through word of mouth. Very little come through Instagram. Mm -hmm. So that's also like, and whereas some people, I can think of a bunch of people where most of their clients come through social media because that's the platform where they're most active on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Whereas, and it's difficult to, sure, you could say you guys, we need to post more Instagram to get more clients, but it's difficult when there's not a when there's not a linear relationship at this stage. Like the mm-hmm. more we post, the more clients we get. That's not really working mm-hmm. out at the moment. I'm I'm looking at Instagram for our business more as like a community or a platform yeah. where we can continue to grow and share information. Yeah, and that's why we started this podcast in the first place, right? We've, was with just good intentions to just help people, right? Mm. And just I think we've certainly done a very good job at that. And mm. I guess the other thing is like. I don't know. I feel like sometimes I don't, I don't jump. Like if I'm out for a walk in the park, right? Like one, I don't really want to be on my phone because I feel like, again, I'm, I'm on my phone all day speaking to people. Sometimes when I'm out for a walk and that's like my 20 minutes to me, that's special to me. You know, I just want to chill out and look up at the sky and hear the birds or, you know, tune out and listen to a podcast or something. But uh, I know like I could whip out my phone, you know, and turn on uh, hands free and start filming Instagram stories and talking but I'm like is it really necessary because I feel like I'm like I have a podcast I'm putting out two episodes a week on my podcast I'm speaking so much on my podcast like I don't know I'm torn but what I'm trying to say is like 
I feel like I go through phases. Like in future, especially as comp prep continues to go down the track, I'll probably start posting heaps more on Instagram. Mm. But then sometimes I'm just like, meh, I want a break. And at the same time, I'm at peace with that. Mm. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm similar, but also quite different. Like I, you know, I don't really care about being on my phone in the park. Cause that <laughs> doesn't bother me. Like um, I'm just different that way. Yeah. And But I understand where you're coming from. For me, it's like, uh, I'll always, it's like that imposter syndrome and like everyone has it, even the, the top people, like, mm-hmm. like, do people really care that I post? Like, yeah. it's a picture of my body, which I posted a thousand times before mm-hmm. with a few words attached to it. Like, is this worth posting? So, yeah. and that's, yeah, I don't know if people are, would be surprised about me saying that. Probably not, but I don't think so at all. To be honest, I think the only people that like, let's say that you and I don't post on our personal page for like a week or two or something. I think honestly, the only people that realize that is probably you and I, right? Mm. We're not on a level. We're not like on a James Smith level or a, or you know a Lane Norton level or something where you have like millions of people following you, and if you don't post one day, everyone's like, "Hey, where are you at? You know, mm. you all right? You sick? You got a cold? Like, <laughs> did your phone break?" <laughs> where are you at man where are you posting but like i think the only people that really realize is us mm. yeah. yeah i don't really know what to say to that then yeah. what is what is is it all a bit futile then no posting? i mean i feel like people will go on instagram right and they're like scrolling through their feed and they'll like people's photos and they'll watch people's stories but they won't necessarily unless they truly love you and care about you they might notice they might be like oh you know i'm used to watching all her stories and she hasn't posted in a few days like hope she's Mm. okay but like i think that usually they're just like it's it's that immediate like right they're just focused and they're just thinking about what's in front of them right there who is posting who's not necessarily not posting yeah i think Everyone has Instagram for a different reason. Some mm-hmm. people are on it for their sneaky private accounts. Some people are on <laughs> there for their normal everyday accounts. People are on there for you, like you and I, to to grow a brand yeah. and to interact. But that's the interesting thing as well when you go on someone else's Instagram feed, because like I feel like you and I again we some people have their dogs. You, you some, <laughs> we have our dogs. We've got a if Sam's got an account, but I mean like have you ever looked at? I guess it's weird to say a normal person's Instagram feed, but I feel like my Instagram feed is just like full of just fitness content. You know, it's just like infographics from different scientists, and it's just a bunch of bodies and you know bikinis and trunks. And you mean in your explore page? Um, not just my explore page. Like literally, just my news feed, oh, all right, my okay. stories. Everyone I follow is pretty health and fitness related. But like, if I was to go onto my sister's Instagram, who isn't really into health and fitness, you know, and she just goes to uni and she's got a few friends, she goes to a party on the weekend. I go through her Instagram and be like, these photos—they're just like normal people, you know, like someone sitting in a park or someone sitting in a bar next to their friend with a drink or like it's a coffee cup next to a dog or something. I'm like, where are the fitness folk at? You know, like where are the leg workouts at? Where are the bikini girls at? So it's always really interesting scrolling through someone else's feed. Cause again, mm. like Instagram you, does a great job at using that algorithm to tailor everything to Yeah, to gosh, man. Like, it's just like what you expose yourself to in the bubble that you put yourself into. So mm. yeah, it's, it's very interesting to say the least, but anyway, yeah. Any, like where, <laughs> I guess, if you have your two cents on Instagram, send mm-hmm. us a DM. We're always interested to discuss things with people. Mm-hmm. So you might be in the same boat as us. You might be someone who effortlessly puts out 
content every day. Yeah. If so, well done. <laughs> and But otherwise, I think we've rambled a lot about social media, so it's time to wrap things up. Yeah. Well, I guess, man, I don't even know what the heck I've spoken about, to be honest. <laughs> but overall, you know, good week for weight loss on track there. Hoping that this next coming week I can break into those high 64s. That would be awesome. That would be really good. Um, keep macros the same. This past week, again, a really solid week of training. I just feel, I feel really good. You know, I'm still feeling strong, still feeling energetic. And then like my sleep is so good this past week. There's been some nights where I've had such a good night's sleep where I haven't even woken up to go pee. And that's weird. You know, I've been waking up to go pee during the night my whole life. And I don't it's quite think, a normal phenomenon. I don't think it's, I don't think it's dehydration. You know, I'm just like freaking sleeping through the night. And even that's why maybe some of these days this week, my weight was actually a little bit higher because like, you know, when you go pee at night, obviously you are losing fluid and then you wake up again in the morning, you go pee again. Too much information. It's not really. We talk about pee and poo all the time <laughs> on this podcast, man. Everyone does it. You got to get that stuff out. But yeah, I don't know. But just sleeping really well. Things are just ticking along. Things are good. I had my blood test again this last Thursday uh, to test my iron levels. And I'll be getting a phone call from my doctor tomorrow morning to hopefully, fingers crossed, make sure that I got my iron back up, which would be really exciting. But other than that, you know, it's just, uh, it's been a solid week. Again, it's been a solid week. Ticking along. And what do you want to improve upon this coming week? Ooh, this week, I think, to be honest, I just want to lose a little bit more weight. And like I said, just break into those 64s. That would be really awesome. Deez. Super Ds. <laughs> and Jack, what do you want to improve? So I just want to try out this new style of deloading and hopefully it works well. And if not, just to tailor it so it is effective for me. But I would be very happy if I finished this week with no, in- no niggles, feeling refreshed and ready to attack the next week, new block and be about like three or 400 grams down on the scale as well, on average. Epic, cool. And I guess by the end of next week, it would have been almost one month for you already in prep. Yep, that's right. Sweet. All right, well, let's do it. All right, guys. So thanks again so much for tuning in to our 28th episode. If you did enjoy it, remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag Bodybuilding Dietitians, and we'll catch you next week. See you guys.